0: This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with Certified Financial Planner, David Chuddick where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies to help you to build and maintain wealth. My name is David Chudick, and I'm a certified financial planner with Parallel Financial. And I am on a mission to empower listeners uh, to make financial choices that makes their lives better, that makes the lives of their family better, that makes the lives of everybody around them better. You see, I believe that money is just a tool. It's just credits and debits and uh, money is neither good or bad. But what we do with our money, how we handle our money, is either good or bad. Now, if you think about it, we've all had times in our lives where our money has been handled well. and uh, Quite frankly, when there are no money problems, it does take away quite a few of our problems. Money does not solve all of your problems, but lack of money or improper handling of money certainly creates problems for all of us. <clears throat> and this goes for high net worth, high earners, it goes for low earners and low net worth. And and I've worked with plenty of clients that had very, very high incomes and, and high net worth, but they just didn't have it together and they had their own forms of financial stresses. And that's what we're go- looking for is to decrease financial stress. So the interesting thing is there's a huge misconception around non-clients as far as, what do I do as a financial advisor? What most people think, and, and you get this question all the time, or hey, what are the markets going to do today? Or what do you think is going to happen with the election in the markets? Or the best one is, if, if I give you $100,000 to invest for me right now, where would you put it? And of course, you know the answer to all of those is, I really don't know uh, if as far as the investing of your money, we'd have to do a whole lot of fact-finding and digging before we decide a, a, a good place to put it. because. It may include paying off debt if that's a situation for you. And it's just not a simple question. So in addition to managing money and investments, one of the things that a good financial planner does is they help you to plan for the unknown. And today, we are going to talk a little bit about planning for long-term care expenses. So I was doing some continuing education and working on maintaining my CLTC, the Certification for Long-Term Care designation that I hold, and I thought it would be a good time for us to talk a little bit about long-term care, why it's important, uh, who should think about it, and and just some basics of, uh, of of ways to plan for long-term care. So the first question really is, I mean, what is long-term care? And this is taken from the the CLTC website and some literature they have. But um, when people consider the subject of long-term care, they often think about nursing homes. In fact, long-term care has little to do with nursing homes. Understanding the difference can help you to protect your family and finances. Long-term care encompasses the care, services, and housing that you will need when you live a long life. Think you won't live a long life? Think back 25 years ago. If you had cancer or a stroke, you simply died. Few ever heard of Alzheimer's, today it's the leading cause for long-term care services. The longer you live, the more likely you are to need care. The question is not who will take care of you, because your family will most often, but rather what providing that care will do to your family and finances. So long-term care is really defined as needing assistance with your activities of daily living. Now those are normally referred to as ADLs in the industry, and they include toileting, bathing, dressing, eating, in and out of bed or a chair, and maintenance continence. So if you think about it, lots of people have have trouble with one or two of those. And and the other uh, long-term care factor is the need for uh, help because of memory loss or significant cognitive impairment. So let's think about some of the different forms of long-term care. Firstly, there may be somebody who just needs a little bit of help. Maybe they need some help uh, getting dressed, or just honestly making sure that they turn the stove off, or some of the issues that are not uh, don't require an incredible amount of skill. So, a couple different things can happen here. A friend can can help, um, family members can help, or you can pay for like an in-home healthcare service to come in and and perform these duties. Now. Nobody works for free. Not even your family, because there's the opportunity cost. If 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 you are at your parents' home caring for them, you are not at your job earning money. If you need to earn a living, then you almost have to choose between the two. Um, So that's one factor to consider there. Then the other factor is if you have a service come in, they are typically going to charge you know a several hour minimum, and depending on the, the part of the country, it could be 10 to 20 plus dollars per hour, which can really, really add up and take a big, big chunk out of anybody's retirement nest egg. So that's a situation where uh, the level of care needed may not be incredibly high, but it's still very important. Now, other things that happen is there are times where couples or, or, or elderly people, they move into Assisted living, assisted living, you know, it's almost thought of as a nursing home, but it's not. It is not a nursing home. It's just a facility, and some of these are incredibly nice. Now, they're also not cheap, but they can be incredibly nice, and they're almost like hotels where there's activities. Uh, there are some medical professionals to make sure that uh, medicines are taken and and some chronic conditions are managed, um, and and if there are falls or anything like that, they're dealt with. But these are typically very nice. Facilities facilities where meals are taken care of and and any bathroom issues or any of the six activities of daily living, you have a staff and a team that is trained to deal with those. So that's assisted living. And then there are times where patients uh, get beyond the point where they just need help with activities of daily living and they need skilled nursing Care and then they, then they need to move into a nursing home, which is a much more of a medical type facility where there are ongoing medical issues, or there are some assisted living facilities that uh, can't handle uh, certain levels of diabetes or or dialysis, and then and then skilled nursing facilities become become necessary. In the case of skilled nursing facilities, uh, a much higher level of care. Is needed Um, also at skilled nursing facilities you may have uh, someone who just needs to be there temporarily let's say after uh, a hip replacement and and they just need to be taken care of uh, on a short-term basis until they recover so we are the weekly wealth podcast and we do talk about wealth and maintaining wealth so one way to uh, build and maintain wealth is to plan for the uh, for the events that may happen in your lifetime someone who has done well and they've built up a nest egg and and they get to the retirement years and and they have some money and they're able to to live off of the interest fairly comfortably and and don't have any any major uh worries about depleting depleting their nest egg down to zero then it happens, and then they need they need long-term care, and you could be talking five to seven to eight thousand dollars per month per person, and that can certainly certainly cut into anybody's nest egg, uh, regardless of how big it is. Also, many many uh, parents would much rather leave uh, an inheritance to their children and grandchildren than have their expenses uh, be paid by their by their own portfolio to uh, to take care of the uh, long term care or in home nursing. So the long term care planning process really should start fairly early. Honestly early 50s is a time to start thinking about what way you would like to pay for your long-term care should it be needed and what are some of the other decisions that you would like to uh, have happen as far as staying at home, going to assisted living. Um, If you have several children, which of your children will take care of you? Will they be compensated? Uh, Do you have grandchildren that may be able to take care of you? These are things that need to be thought about and discussed and not kept, uh, not kept on the back burner until, it's too late. So some ways that uh, so some basic ways that long-term care can be paid for is um, the first one is long-term care insurance. Now this is a double-edged sword because long-term care insurance can get very very cost prohibitive if you wait too long to get it, and quite frankly, at a certain age, let's say in 60s and 70s. Even if somebody can afford long-term care insurance, oftentimes just inherently health issues might make them ineligible for long-term care insurance because uh, most people have uh, a health condition or two once you get into your 60s or 70s. So I like to recommend to clients based on uh, if if it does not look like they'll have the assets to self-fund, I'd like to start looking at long-term care insurance and looking at the options uh, in the in the early to mid-50s especially if if they're healthy. Now, two types of long-term care insurance. We're not going to to go too deeply into this. If this is something you're ever interested in kind of hearing some numbers for yourself, you can email me at David at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. But there is a traditional standalone long-term care policy. And there's a couple parts to it. The first part is a daily benefit. So you might choose to have a hundred dollar per day daily benefit or a hundred and fifty or a two hundred dollar per day daily benefit. There's then an elimination period which is really a deductible so that's how long um, how much of the first bit of long-term care you are going to pay for for by yourself until your benefits kick in. So if you have a 30-day elimination period uh, your premium will be much higher than if you had a 90 or 180 or even a one-year elimination period. Now, these plans do tend to go up in price or they can go up in price at anniversary and they can get to the point where they might be cost prohibitive. And these are a use it or lose it type of a plan. So I like to look at it this way. Uh, Let's say uh, at age uh, 55, you, you purchased a long term care policy and you paid several hundred dollars a month for 10 years, which would really equal into the tens of thousands of dollars of premium paid. Um, and now now you pass away and you never you never needed your long-term care. So it's not that it was a bad thing because you made a good planning decision, but you never did reap the benefits of that insurance policy as far as um, having actual cash benefits paid towards you. Now you may, and, and I hope that you would have gotten some peace of mind out of purchasing the policy, but as far as concrete financial benefits, you would not have uh, have received those. So there's another, and it's fairly new in the industry, Uh, type of long-term care coverage, and that's a hybrid life insurance long-term care policy. Now, these get complicated, and if if you're looking at one of these, make sure, I really implore you to make sure that you're working with someone who understands what they're doing, because these can get complicated, and they can uh, have really negative adverse consequences if they're not structured properly. But the basis of these is you purchase, and again, you have to qualify health-wise, so they're Quite frankly, you could be declined based on your health. But if you qualify um, for mortality, that means the life insurance company thinks that you're an acceptable risk and will not die in the near future based on their calculations. And you also qualify uh, with regards to morbidity, which is getting sick. Uh, There's a long term care rider that can be added on to some life insurance policies. So just to put it in simple terms, and again, it, it, it it's, it's hard to generalize these, but let's say you have a $500,000 death benefit um, on your life insurance policy. So we all know how life insurance works. <clears throat> if you pass away, whoever your named beneficiary or beneficiaries are, they will receive the death benefit. So in that case, the $500,000 would go to the person of your choice, and that would help maybe pay estate taxes. It would maybe help a grandchild go to college. It may um, pay off some debt. It could do whatever whatever, whatever you wanted it to do or whatever the beneficiary would like for it to do. But if you have one of these uh, hybrid long-term care policies, you can take what amounts to a prepayment of the death benefit to pay for your own long-term care. So there would be a certain percentage of that $500,000 that you would be able to get while you're alive and you could use it for paying your long-term care expenses. So the first type of long-term care policy that we spoke about That was an if policy. That is if you need long-term care. And don't get me wrong and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It is very likely that if you live into your 60s and 70s that you are going to incur some fairly significant long-term care expenses. But you still might not and you still might pass before uh, these expenses are incurred. The second type is a when policy because the last I checked, the mortality rate was hovering uh, around 100%, meaning that we are all going to um, we're going to die at some point. So at that point, the uh, the death benefit would be paid to uh, to our chosen beneficiary. But and this is uh, this is the important part. If you need long-term care and you trigger, and typically triggering means you need uh, physician certification that you need help with two out of the six activities of daily living, or have significant cognitive impairment, uh, then you can trigger taking some of your death benefit early Uh, as a prepayment and use that for long-term care benefits. So uh, both policies have a lot of value and both uh, could make sense, but I do caution you to work with someone who is independent, who can work with several carriers and who understands the industry. This is not basic life insurance and long-term care has a lot of consequences if it's not structured properly. So if someone cannot qualify for long-term care or they choose not to purchase long-term care maybe they feel like and this is the case sometime that they can pay their their assets are enough to weather the storm uh you still have a few different options and and one of the recurring themes with all of my clients is buckets of money so it is not a horrible idea to have a a bucket of money uh, again, this is if you're choosing not to carry long-term care insurance or due to health reasons you cannot get long-term care insurance to set aside a bucket of money that can help uh, that'll be specifically uh, conservatively invested so that it is available to pay for long-term care expenses. Now, there are other other tactics, uh, spend down to where you can qualify for Medicaid, but quite frankly, none of us really want to get to the point where we only have a few thousand dollars to our name and qualify for Medicaid. Now, if that is uh, is the case, then uh, Medicaid uh, facilities are typically not as nice, but uh, if that's what the reality that you have to deal with is, then that is your reality. But managing your investments becomes more critically important if you do not have long-term care insurance to cover the long-term care expenses. So managing your investments becomes a little bit trickier if you do not have long-term care insurance in place because you have several risks. You have the risk of having to pay for it yourself and then you also have the risk and, and none of us can predict the market but if if when you need to start making major withdrawals from your investment portfolios to pay for long-term care, if that's also during a period of market downturn, then that is quite frankly, that's a double whammy. And if you're having, uh, if the market is, is down double digits for several years in a row, that hurts the value of your portfolio and if that's the time where you need to start taking distributions to pay for your long-term care, I could foresee a, a portfolio uh, be depleted or, 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 or have a value much less than the client would have liked. So having a conservative bucket that would have a little bit less volatility that is earmarked to pay for long-term care certainly would be advisable. But of course, work with your own advisor on, on, on what strategies work for you and if you have any questions, email me at david at And finally, let's talk a little bit about what doesn't pay for long-term care. Generally speaking, and, and, and the guidelines and the laws change all the time, but health insurance is designed to pay for conditions for which you will recover. So you break your leg, health insurance pays for your leg uh, surgery, and then uh, you're you're expected to recover from it. And uh, and that's the purpose of health insurance. Um, long-term care is uh, is not covered by health insurance, at least not permanently. So if you're in a situation where, let's say you're even in your 30s and you have a, maybe a head injury and you're not able to take care of yourself, or Superman, I mean, Christopher Reeves, he, he fell off of a horse. Now, I don't know what uh, sort of planning he had in place, but just looking at it at face value, after the initial surgeries that he may have had, uh, for the rest of his life, you know, the getting dressed and the going to the bathrooms and and the and the feeding, those would be items not paid for by his health insurance. So that would have been paid for, either by his out-of-pocket expenses or if he planned and had long-term care uh, coverage in place for that. So, so these are important decisions to make because this is not only talking about the elderly; it's also talking about there are, there are head injuries all the time. There are accidents that happen to younger people, and if you get to the point where you're needing help with six, uh, I'm sorry, with two out of the six activities of daily living or have significant cognitive impairment, that is when a long-term care policy benefit period could be triggered. And before we wrap it up today, let's talk a little bit about some of the stresses that long-term care can put on the family. And uh, let's talk about some of the freedoms that proper planning can create. So first of all, if you've never been in a situation where a parent needed long-term care, all kinds of uh, conflicts can occur if there are siblings involved. This which sibling uh, should give the care. Um, there are times where parents choose to pay siblings for for care, uh, and that can create animosity. There are times where one sibling maybe doesn't live near enough to provide the care, and that and and the sibling that's closer gets uh, gets the burden of providing the care. So, so. Planning for long-term care oftentimes benefits the caretakers more than it benefits the person who needs care. So when I was studying for the CLTC designation, they really put it in an interesting way. And they said that planning properly for your long-term care expenses gives your relatives and caretakers Mm -hmm. permission to perform the care that they think that they should, but not all of it. So think about it this way, given the choice, and if you had uh, continence issues and and bathroom issues, would you rather have a, a, a home health nurse or be in a facility where there are people trained to help with those issues, or would you rather have your adult child help you with that? I would venture to guess that most grown parents would rather have a, uh, a professional and not their child help them when they get in those situations just because of the dignity and everything that's involved. And uh, most children would, would gladly do anything for their parents, but uh, with proper planning they may not have to. Uh, the other issue with planning is we start looking at what type of a legacy we would like to leave for our children and grandchildren and even great-grandchildren. And part of a legacy is just who you are, right? What memories do you have with your family? What what gifts of kindness and what love did you give them? And those are all just they're incalculable as far as how important they are, and, and money could never, never buy memories. But we also typically like to know that we're leaving uh, some sort of financial benefits for our family as well. So if you've planned properly uh, there's a really good chance that you will not deplete your nest egg and there will be something to be left to the further generations and and who on who of us on our deathbed does not want to think hey you know be, because of some planning and I've been blessed and and now my grandchildren's uh, their college is paid for or half part of their college is paid for or or I'm leaving a large gift to a, a, a nonprofit or a church or a charity that is just very important to me. So Like I said, money does not, it does not solve the world problems, but lack of money does. And uh, we can do good with our money. We certainly can. And we can leave money to uh, children and grandchildren, and we can structure it in a way to where there may be some conditions on it so it doesn't uh, cause excessive spending. All of that can be worked out, but it's all part of the planning process. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you a little bit to think about. I didn't want to get too much into details because... Uh, Quite frankly, this episode could be listened to in different periods where where laws change, but um, think about this and plan for it and talk to your financial advisor and uh, have those conversations with your family about long-term care, about um, how you would like it handled, and do some calculations with your advisor. Make sure you can either handle the expenses or you're working towards being able to handle the expenses and that your investments are allocated properly. So again, my name is David Chudik, and you can email me at at parallelfinancial.com. That's parallelfinancial.com if you'd like to discuss this or any other financial planning issue, Uh, or if you'd just like to know what it looks like to work with a financial advisor. We can do a 30-minute either in-person visit, a phone call, or a Zoom call. So until next episode, I wish you a blessed week.